You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guests and hear their story. Well, Steve, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks, Brian. It's an honor to be with you. I would love for you to share your backstory and how you came to faith and then how you got involved in the work that you're doing now, which has already impacted me as we just chatted about with regards to declarations of the Word of God over our lives. So please share. Well, I grew up on the the north coast of California near Eureka, Redwood Tree Country. I didn't know Jesus as a boy or a teenager. My mom did take me to Presbyterian Sunday School, where I got a seed in my heart about Jesus that I'm so thankful for. And graduated high school, I met my wife, who's now my wife, Wendy, when I was a senior in high school. She was a junior. And graduated high school, basically became a a hippie, not a full-fledged one, but this is back in the 70s where a lot of that's going on. Did a lot of things hippies did. Wendy and I were seeking and searching for to, to fill the vacuum that was in, in our hearts. And we tried all kinds of things that temporarily created some level of, of pleasure, but it was never lasting, never lasting. And I mean, I hitchhiked a lot, got picked up by believers. There, there's all kinds of hippies getting saved. I mean, this is a <laughs> wild time. Finally, I just asked God, I said, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. I just said, that's one of the most powerful prayers we can pray. If you're real, show yourself to me. And we began to go on a journey. And we, Wendy and I, we read the New Testament, just the, the words of Jesus. We had a Bible where his words were in red, and we'd just read it, and we'd look at each other and say, this is truth. And, and just, we I finally just said, God, I just give you my heart. And that was uh, so, so powerful. We both did it. And I was 19. She was 18. Mm-hmm. And it was just a journey. He showed himself. He showed himself. He's real. And, you know, I thought about a lot of things. I thought about, and Jesus, he's the only uh, religious leader that was, you know, whose name is used as a cuss word. I thought, man, why is that? How come nobody says, oh, Buddha or oh, Mohammed? You know, just to begin to realize the name of Jesus was powerful. I got a book by Josh McDowell called More Than a Carpenter that was such a great evidence. I was going to college at that time, and I wanted to love the Lord with all my mind as well. And that book really helped me understand that the only logical conclusion that we could come to is Jesus is God and that he did raise from the dead. That shifted, obviously, everything in your life. So when you made that decision with Wendy, where did things go next? Well, first of all, we, we got married a couple of years later. That was a whole process. We had built our life on sand and you know our relationship instead of the rock of Jesus. So we had some purity battles, and we finally decided to break up just so we could put Jesus first. Mm. And we weren't planning on getting back together, but eventually, after a year, we gravitated back together, and then the Lord led us to get married and We were in Assembly of God Church, great church in Fortuna, California, and it was a season of real um, encounters with the Lord, but also it was a season where we lived in Romans 12 of giving our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. 
which is a reasonable service and learning how to pray the prayer, not my will be done, but your will be done. That's huge. It is. And part of me feared that. I mean, there, there was areas where I didn't want to say, God, let your will be done. <laughs> and I remember praying prayers, God, make me willing. I know there's a deception here, but I'm afraid of letting go. Mm. And he takes us where we're at. And when, we, when we're that honest with them and we walk in that humility and say, God, I need you help. And he, he met me. And, and the transformation, I mean, in lifestyle issues and whatever, it was, it was a progressive thing where our desires just began to change. And it was in that season as well that we heard what Isaiah heard in Isaiah 6. Who will go for us? He was in this encounter, and and he hears the voice, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Mm-hmm. And that's where we were. Send us. Whatever you need, Lord, we, we lay it down. We lay our agenda down, our dream down, our, our plans, because we know you love us, and you've got the greatest plan for our life. It's far beyond what we could ever imagine. And God doesn't need our ability. He just needs our availability. And he qualifies us And when we don't feel qualified. So it, it was a powerful season where we were there in that church for 15 years. It was foundational that led into the future seasons that we had. After you opened up and said, we'll do whatever, send us wherever, where did you go? <laughs> Those 15 years, the Lord sent us into our local church, into our local city. I mean, we don't, we don't need to go to another nation to be sent. Mm-hmm. And so just knowing, just believing, okay, Lord, this is what you have for me in this season, to function in this position in the church to, or, or whatever. And, but eventually, it led us to go to Round Mountain, Nevada to pastor a small rural church four hours from Las Vegas in the middle of the desert. Literally. And yeah, it wasn't logical to go out there. Financially, it wasn't logical. The church size wasn't logical. But Wendy and I had a word. We just, we went out there and ministered and and God just said, this is it. Wow. This is it. And so we went there, took our three children who were, I think, 11, nine, and five at that time. And we're on the grand adventure. Yeah. God thinks long term with us and, and he takes his time in developing leaders. And so he sent us to the desert. And I like to say this God likes to send people to deserts to teach them how to repent. Boy, that's true. And one of the best definitions of repentance is to change the way you think. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we had lived in Romans 12, 1 of, of surrendering our heart, sacrificing our time, our money, our food, our dreams for the kingdom. And, and then he says, Stephen, Wendy, I love your heart for Romans 12, 1. But if you're going to see transformation, I need to move you into Romans 12, 2, which says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and excellent and perfect will of God. What a shift. It is a shift. And we basically heard this. And when I say we heard this, we didn't hear an audible voice. What we heard, these were conclusions that we made through prayer, Bible study, meditation, discussions with people. And so we basically heard, Stephen and Wendy, I love your heart for Romans 12.1, but if you're going to see transformation in your life and through your life, I need to move you into Romans 12 too, 
because transformation doesn't come from surrendering your heart. It comes from surrendering your beliefs. Wow. And that was just a revolutionary thing where we learned what we believe is more important than what we do. That's been utterly foundational to the rest of your life, hasn't it? It has. We grew up with a mindset. The reason we weren't having breakthrough or transformation is because we hadn't given God our heart enough. God, I I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I guess (laughs) I I don't have the ability to give you my heart. Just take my heart. And she hears this, Wendy, I have your heart. Now I need your mind. I got your heart. Now I need you to give me the way you think. Mm. And he got really personal with us. He said, Wendy, can you surrender the beliefs that you're shy, inadequate, and can't speak well in front of others? (laughs) And, And she says, but Lord, that's who I am. And she hears, no, that's not who you are. That's just who you've become. Steve, can you surrender the beliefs that you are less than other leaders and that there's something uniquely wrong with you? (laughs) I said, Lord, but those feel so true. They feel true. Doesn't that mean they are true? He said, no. Mm. Feelings don't, don't validate truth. They just validate what you believe is true. So powerful, Steve. What did this launch you into when you heard this Romans 12 2 approach to the next season of your life? Well, it changed really our focus in spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. I mean, up to that point, our focus in spiritual warfare was devil focused. And I don't want to discount the devil. And I appreciate those with deliverance ministries, those who empower us with the power of God. But the devil's not our biggest problem. And so what happened was that there was a redirection of my spiritual warfare guns to my own beliefs. And I was reading a book by a guy named Francis Frangipan called The Three Battlegrounds. And one of the battlegrounds that he talks about is the mind. And there's a quote in there that just literally changed my life. It's really the reason why our ministry is called Igniting Hope Ministries. He said this, he said, every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. I read that, I close the book, I become instantly discouraged because I'm trying to find one area of my life where I've got hope. My, my favorite definition of hope is that hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present. Mm-hmm. And I have the power to help make it so. I'm trying to find one area where I got hope and I can't, let alone glistening hope. I didn't even know glistening hope existed. And So I pray a dumb prayer. Oh, God, please show me every lie that I'm believing. Look out. I I know. I should have prayed. Brian, I should have prayed. Lord, show me 10% of the lies I'm believing. Because I got the revelation. Almost everything I believed in my life at that time was a lie. Wow. And I was pastoring a church. I had good doctrine, which we need good doctrine. Jesus is God, the authority of Scripture, salvation by grace through faith alone. I had good doctrine, but bad beliefs, Mm. bad beliefs about God, bad beliefs about me, bad beliefs about the people in my life, bad beliefs about my church, bad beliefs. 
uh, about my finances, bad beliefs about my nation. And he began to take this, this thing as hope being the indicator. My hope level was the indicator of whether I'm believing lies or truth. He used um, Romans 15, 13, New King James Version to confirm this. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. It says, in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that verse basically says, now may the God of hope Feel you in believing. Mm -hmm. So the moment I'm believing truth, the moment I really believe truth and not just have a mental assent or a theological agreement, the moment that I really believe truth, I'll start getting filled by the God of hope. I'll get filled. So increasing hope, and this is what we're learning, and this is what you're asking, how did it change us? I began to, okay, I began to go out, look at my hope level. And so increasing hope is the evidence I'm renewing my mind with truth instead of lies. Mm. And decreasing hope is the evidence I'm renewing my mind with lies instead of truth. That is so powerful. So as you went down this path, Steve, of renewing your mind, where did the Lord start with you? Well, I mean, it really started with my identity. It's tied so much into our God concept, what we believe about our theology, the finished work of, uh, of Christ. Are we truly the righteousness of God? Are we truly loved unconditionally? As I began to analyze my lack of hope, it, it was linked to, okay, I don't really have hope that God loves me. I think maybe God loves me, but I don't think he really likes me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't believe I'm worthy to be blessed. And the lack of hope in that really forced me to dig deep in my theology. And then it was so tied to me because I felt less than. I Like I shared, I felt like there's something uniquely wrong with me, that I don't do relationships well. I'm, I, I don't walk in the supernatural. And, and all of this thing began to overhaul me. And I didn't think I was a great leader. The Lord just says, Steve, I don't want you to get your identity from your past. I want you to get your identity from what I say. Mm -hmm. And I realized I renewed my mind more with my past than with what he said. I just began to analyze, okay, what do I believe? One of the ways to analyze what we believe is to listen to what comes out of our mouth. Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I'm listening to me. I'm listening to what I think is hard. I'm saying this city is hard for the gospel. I'm saying uh, ministry is hard. Uh, I'm saying I'm, I'm not evangelistic. You know, or I don't, it could be as simple as I don't remember names well. I began to listen to me. And, and, and I began to understand that again, I renewed my mind more with my past experience than I did with what God said. I, I said, that's the problem. Yeah, I don't deny the past. I just don't get my beliefs out of it. Mm -hmm. I don't deny it's been hard. I can't call it hard. I don't deny that speaking in front of people feels difficult, but I don't 
call myself someone who can't speak well in front of people because that belief system that is there is called a stronghold. That belief system is the problem. That's the blockage. So how did you attack this? I was listening to a cassette tape by Joyce Myers. And Joyce Myers, great, great teacher, faith woman. And she was talking about a concept called declarations. She said this is early on in her ministry and that she felt like the Lord said, Joyce, I want you to write 10 promises that I've made to you. And I want you to declare them morning and night every day. And, and she said, she, I mean, she declared and she said every one of them had become true. Whether it's like speaking engagements or often do her daily, regularly or, or, or whatever. So, you know, I'm a spiritual experimenter and I, I began to just study the Bible the power of words. You see in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Mm-hmm. You see in, in James 3, 2, it says, if you can bridle your tongue, you can bridle your whole body. If you can control your words on one level, you can control your life. It goes on in that chapter to say, uh, uh, the tongue is like a bit in a, in a horse's mouth and a rudder on a ship. Words become the directing agents of your life. I began to study how even the world was created through a declaration. Holy Spirit's hovering over the face of the deep and waiting for something to work with. And then God said, let there be light. Jesus in Luke 4 started his ministry before he even ministered. He started with a a declaration. He was quoting out of Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. And I saw Romans 4, 4.17 where it says, God, and this is, this is such a key verse, God who gives life to the dead by calling those things that do not exist as though they did. Come on. God's method of bringing life, I'm getting this revelation of bringing life to dead leadership in me to dead things in my city, to dead things in my finances, is to call it alive when it looks when it looks dead. And in Romans 4, that verse is talking about Abraham. He used to be called Abram. He has a promise for over 20 years, and it's not happening. And count the scars, count sand, that's how many your descendants are going to be. And so he has an encounter in Genesis 17, and God says, your name will no longer be Abram, which means exalted father, but Abraham, Mm -hmm. father of a multitude. I want you to call yourself by my promise. I want you to create an identity and speak it. I want you to tell people, I am father of a multitude. And one year later, Isaac is born, and I'm studying this, and I'm realizing that the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and one of the greatest ways to renew our minds and to bring transformation is to hear what's true, Mm -hmm. what's true. And Gideon, I mean, he in Judges 6, he had an angel come to him and declare, hey, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now, this was calling something that was not as though it was, because Gideon was not living in a mighty man of valor experience. Right. He, he was the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. But the declarative word, because 
if we're going to experience something higher in our life, we need to believe something higher than what we're feeling and experiencing. And if we're going to believe something higher, we need to hear something higher than what we're experiencing. And so I noticed that the only time I ever said anything higher than what I was feeling and experiencing was when I was singing worship songs. I mean, now, you know, we think about like the, the song Waymaker and, and we'd sing that song Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, That's Who You Are. I used yeah. to get irritated at worship leaders because they would have me sing the same phrase over and over and over again. I said, Lord, I want to go on. And I felt like the Lord said, Steve, that's the only way I can get you to say something higher than what you're feeling and experiencing. That's the only way I can get you to give me something to work with is if there's music. Wow. I want you to start saying it without music. So I remember (laughs) I'm out there, small church, early 90s, learning these things. And I felt like the Lord said, Steve, I want you to say these words, I radically influence nations. Well, I said, Lord, shouldn't I wait until I'm radically influencing nations until I say I'm radically influencing nations? I thought you said, thou shalt not lie. Please be consistent. And he said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you wait for an apple tree to have apples on it before you call it an apple tree? Oh, that's good. I said, no. No, even if that tree's too young to have apples, we're not confused in its identity. And even if that apple tree could talk and say, I have the gift of apples, we we wouldn't say that's not true. We'd say that, yeah. That that's true. They just haven't come yet. And so we don't get our identity out of what we've done. We get our identity out of what we're created to do. Yeah. And so I started just saying things. I started saying I radically influenced nations. I started saying that, that our church is a revival church, that I'm a great leader. Now, I wasn't telling other people this. Mm-hmm. I was telling me this. I wasn't trying to convince anybody else. I was trying to convince me of who God said I already was. And I'll tell you, some of the, the strongholds in our minds, there's a warfare. I didn't, and it was challenging because my stronghold would say, no, that's not true. No, don't get your hopes up. No, just settle for life as it is. But I kept at it. Wendy kept at it. I've written books on it. I mean, I declare, I'm still a radical declarer. I've made declarations this morning about what I can do, who God says I have, promises that I feel like he's given me. And so much of what I'm experiencing today is the result of what I said 25 years ago when it felt and it seemed ridiculous. Right now, I'm influencing nations. And at that time, it just seemed that's impossible. Well, let's pause on that, Steve, just for a second. The word ridiculous I want to seize on that word because I think people listening to this, I would suspect many have, quote, tried declarations. And after a few days, they've stopped because it just sounded ridiculous to them. You know, this is cool, but that's not who I am, just like you were talking about. What do you say to somebody who's thinking, man, that's ridiculous? Well, I say join the club. (laughs) Well, welcome. We're glad to have you with us because... I mean, you look at Gideon, it was ridiculous. I mean, Gideon hears the word. I mean, he's hiding in a wine press. He's got a victim mindset. He's believed God's abandoned them. The angel gives him a word and judges six. And, you know, he, he must have thought that angel was new to angelic prophetic ministry. 
<laughs> because the greatest things we need to hear will sound ridiculous to us because it won't agree with our past experience. Mm-hmm. And and so I would just say that's where we all are. Abraham, the, when he heard in uh, Genesis 17 that it was still going to happen through Sarah, he fell on his face and laughed at because of how ridiculous it was. So the normal pattern of of breakthrough in our life is that when we really hear something from God, I mean, the highest things that we'll hear from God, if we want to put it that way, concerning our destiny, our potential, it will sound ridiculous. Then we just keep declaring. We we keep just saying it. And then it it sounds possible. We start getting our hopes up, you know, like Gideon. Maybe this is true. And then he asked the Lord for a supernatural sign with the fleece and and all that he, he started dialoguing with god about the possibility and when we start dialoguing we open up our heart and then we invite the supernatural in to confirm what he's already said it sets us on a journey to get fully convinced what is it that you're doing right now how do you equip people steve to make this transition for declaration in their life well we did it in different ways i mean the people that I mentor, the first thing I want to do is convince them that what they believe is more important than what they do. And I'm all for doing. I'm all for the importance of doing. But but the kingdom is not moved forward by good conduct. It's moved forward by good beliefs. The old covenant was moved forward by good behavior, but the new covenant is moved forward by good beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so the greatest question of the hour is not, Lord, what should I do right now? The greatest question is, what should I believe? What should I renew my mind with in this season? And God's always going to call us to believe something higher than what we're feeling and experiencing. So the first thing I want to do is convince people, all right? Mm-hmm. What we believe is the key to what you're going to experience. And then once I've convinced people of that, then I, I want to get them with, with what we've got. We've got resources. I've got a book called Victorious Mindsets, which is a great place to begin on this journey. It's a devotional 50 beliefs. Intentionally, we say, I'm, I'm going to believe this. I'm going to believe I'm anointed, whether I feel anointed or not. I'm going to believe I'll thrive no matter what happens. That's what I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe there's always a solution in every situation I face. That's what I'm going to believe. And when we determine what we are going to believe based on what God says in the word, well, and that's the foundation, then I say, okay, figure out what you're going to believe. And one of the things is then get it in your mouth through declarations. And there's more things. I've got a course on our platform, Igniting Hope Academy platform. It's called the Transformational Mind Renewal Course. It's a five-month course. It takes all of the things that we teach in five months, the five steps of radical mind renewal. It leads people in a journey of getting breakthrough and really how to renew their minds. I'm going to try to get them exposed to some of my materials And then I want to dialogue with them about, okay, what's the Lord saying to you through that? And then, yeah, walk with them. Somebody listening to this, where would you recommend they start right away if this is resonating with them? We just uh, released something 
in the first of the year that's kind of fun. What my latest book is called um, Igniting Hope in 40 Days. Mm-hmm. And I would say start with that. I have on our Igniting Hope Academy platform, we have 40 Days of Hope, where for $35, you can get a download of that book. And then you can get for the 40 days, you can get a three to five minute video that I do every day that's in uh, support of that devotional. And that's my freshest content that we have. I would also say uh, my book, Declarations, uh, we've talked a lot about declarations. The subtitle is Unlocking Your Future, gives 30 biblical reasons why you make declarations. That book is powerful. My book, You're Crazy If You Don't Talk to Yourself, is also, <laughs> and it's a fun book, <laughs> and that's a book that would take people on the journey of getting convinced of the power of their words, get convinced of the biblical basis for declarations, and also just a lot of practical ideas there of what to declare. And we've got on our website, we have a lot of free lists of declarations as well, ignitinghope.com. Another place to start is just download one of those lists and just start declaring it morning and night for 30 days, do an experiment with those declarations and just see what happens. And I I just have to say, we chatted about this before I hit record for our conversation. I have been doing that for about three, four weeks. I have absolutely experienced a shift in my response to certain things. It has been Mm -hmm. obvious to me and I'm Really grateful for those resources. So I would encourage anybody listening to this, go to ignitinghope.com. Ignitinghope.com. Yeah, just yeah. resources. You can find that. And it's so powerful. And when we start putting God's word in our mouth, start putting you know our identity in our mouth, it is really a, a way to activate our faith. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, taking every thought captive. It's really a way to take thoughts captive you know just mm-hmm. just saying this is going to be a great day you know like even before i did this you know i love before every meeting i try to declare this is going to be a great meeting god's going to show up people are going to be touched the moment i say that i move into greater faith i move into greater faith and as a young leader i i used to say lord i can't wait until i can do something great for you and he said, Steve, instead of waiting to do something great for me, once you attach great faith to what you're doing right now, and it will become great. That's so good. And declarations are a way to attach great faith to what we're doing. I can just say, hey, Wendy and I are going to be going, my wife, hey, we're going to go out on a date, whatever. It's going to be a great time. Man, I'm just, and, and the moment I declare is the moment I begin to release my faith over things, and it it increases the likelihood of good things happening. This has been so rich. I would love for you to pray for our listeners as we finish up, please. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Father. Just the privilege of being on today, and thank you that nobody who's listening is listening by accident. I thank you that you love them and that you have a wonderful plan for their lives. And whether right now they're in a season of great fruitfulness or in a season of great challenge, I I ask you just to just meet them right now. Let them, as they leave this podcast, 
let there be one thing that just burns within them. And Father, I ask you that that truth, that that direction would just grow and increase over them. And I pray blessing over everyone, intimacy with God, personal health, physical, spiritual, emotional health, relational health, financial blessing, increase of influence for you, and and just the joy of the Lord would be their strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. So good to have you on the show. I love it. Thanks, Brian, for having me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.